Okay, let's see who's coming down for the New Year's. Ah, Mario. Ay, Vey, my guy. Que vuelta, mi hermano. What's up? Mario, que la que hay, dude. Hey, are you coming to LA for New Year's or what? Uh, no, I'm, I'm actually going to keep it local this year. Yeah. Getting those 12 grapes ready to eat at midnight. So, you know, we start off the year right. I also got my suitcase ready to run around the block because I want to do some traveling next year. So, you know how that goes. I know what you mean, dude. Between on and off quarantining and mommy accidentally sweeping over my feet last year, my love tank's been running on empty, bro. My God. Pero no te preocupes que I got my red underwear ready for the big event. Good thinking, man. I'm gonna turn into a bicharrón and outsmart the devil. <laughs> Oye, cuídate, man. We'll talk next year. Feliz año nuevo. Feliz año. <laughs> Latinx people can be quite superstitious, something that's especially apparent around this time of year. Our belief in the mystical or supernatural is mostly rooted in the folktales of our ancestors, stories that have been passed down from generation to generation. Think La Llorona or El Cucuy, stories that help feed our very healthy imaginations, as well as our development of the knee-jerk tendencies we call superstitions. Mar de Ojo, yeah. So, so we definitely believed in Mar de Ojo growing up, and uh, and I do, you know, have that medallion that that wards it off. So, in my country or my parents' country, they say that it's bad luck to leave a handbag on the floor. Apparently, women like to hang their purses on the wall on a hook or leave it in a drawer because you know if you put it on the floor, you are going to lose money and you are going to have problems with your finances. There's this Mexican superstition, this has more to do with dieting, that certain foods are really bad for you at night, like watermelon is bad. For women, there's a lot of superstitions or like what they call old wives tales that mm -hmm. if you eat a certain thing while you're on your period, you're gonna become infertile. So then I was just like, I can't eat what eggs because they're, they're you're not supposed to eat that when you're when you're having your period. When you say cheers, you have to do it with your left hand. Look the person in the eyes when I say cheers, or you won't have a very interesting quicky 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 life. I don't know. Have you heard that one? I think that quicky quicky is uh, <laughs> if we need a translation. I think that's sex life. I think that's sex. <gasps> Boom. Okay. <laughs> you got it. But not all folk tales have the same DNA. Creation myths, for example, are symbolic narratives that try and explain how or why things came to be. The story about the creation of the sea through the legend of Yayael, a tale about a murdered boy whose remains are kept in a gourd until it bursts open, producing endless amounts of fish and water, might be reason enough to never take seashells home. Seashells are not supposed to be taken from, you know, the beach or the ocean. If that's the case, then that's probably explains some of the bad luck that I've had in my life because I, I often take seashells from the beach. To promise someone the sun, the moon, and the stars might sound like a corny pickup line. And it is. But in Taino mythology, Earth Mother Atabe had two sons, one of whom is actually credited with crafting all three. Her other son, overrun with jealousy and clearly not as skilled, transformed into an evil being known as Huracan, who worked tirelessly to destroy his brother's creations. So not only do you have the Earth's origin story, but also a healthy reminder that sometimes one child is enough. There's the, the headless um, horseman, or there's also the carreta, that you hear uh, um, a carreta, a carriage, like a rickety carriage coming down like at a certain time. 
and like in in our canton you could hear it like hitting the rocks and everything and the story is if you hear the horses or you hear the carriage you don't come out you're supposed to die a little bit right after so it's supposed to be like a sign of our mortality. I remember our teachers in school would always make us kind of be quiet in school by singing this song. And that's how I know about La Lechuza. It goes, La Lechuza, La Lechuza, hace shh, hace shh. Vamos al silencio, como la lechuza que hace shh, que hace shh. So every time our teacher would start singing that song, we knew what time it was. Time to zip it. There's a, a bridge also in Jalisco that we would cross going to my grandma's uh, house, to the ranch, and it was called El Puente del Diablo. If you could pray in Our Father, a Padre Nuestro, from the beginning of the bridge to the end of the bridge, you had to do it really fast. Like, if you could finish praying it before you got to the end, you could uh, wish for something and the wish would become true. Some of these legends stick with you on a deeper level, thanks to nonstop alleged sightings, artistic interpretations, and even actual news coverage. I think it, in the 90s, it really blew up and that is the first sighting. Why do so many people believe it is a Mexican legend when the first sighting did occur in Puerto Rico? As soon as it, uh, the lady reported it and it became really big in Puerto Rico, and news channels um, really picked it up and blew it, like, you know, out of proportions. Chupacabras is from Puerto Rico, no? <laughs> My parents, they wouldn't let me go out at night when I was younger, and their logic for that was that the chupacabra only comes out at night. Like, you're not allowed to go out because the chupacabra will get you, um, despite you not being a goat. There was even songs when I was growing up in Colombia and in Ecuador uh, that talked about El Chupacabra, so I remember it was very present during my childhood. I don't think El Chupacabra is a folktale. I think El Chupacabra was uh, a story that helped the news outlets at the time when they needed a scandalous story. Los pobladores de un ejido en el estado de San Luis Potosí viven con pánico. Aseguran que el mismo diablo le chupó la sangre a sus animales. 50 animales muertos y sin una gota de sangre. Aseguran que es sobra del chupacabra. So here's the deal, right? Uh, some animals would appear with fang marks in their necks and allegedly their blood was drained. That's why they call it the chupacabras, right? In reality, it was just a humongous eagle that was in the verge of extinction or even a xolotzcuincle, which is an Aztec dog that uh, has no hair. Legends are basically a narration of supernatural events. Some even bestow a sense of cultural inheritance, like the Nahuals in Mexico. These Mesoamerican supernatural beings are said to shapeshift into animals, which might explain why the adoption of El Chupacabra into Mexican folklore wasn't such a stretch. The Nahual now is believed to be a evil brujo who has the ability to shapeshift. Sometimes it's like a half man half animal sometimes it's just a full transformation not like a half and half but they're believed to go out in the night and um you know wreak havoc there is like very very old art um with them depicted on aztec or mayan um like vases and stuff but i don't i don't think back then they were considered evil because a lot of a lot of what we have now uh, came with christianity like evil good and evil black and white this might be a good time to revisit Abuela's hot tips for keeping evil or unwanted energy from your home. 
you know, by placing a broom or a glass of water behind the door, because <laughs> obviously. Whenever you had visitors in the house or someone happened to come to your home that is not very welcome, you put a broom behind the door. But not just the broom behind the door, it has to be upside down. There's another one and it is to have a glass of water, just clean, clear water around the house and that's supposed to absorb bad energy. Um, kind of like even limpiezas, when you do limpiezas del huevo and like break it into a cup and then leave it in there that's supposed to collect the energies as well and that's super like astrology girl vibes <laughs> i feel like <laughs> i've never done it but i've definitely heard of it it's like keeping the bad juju away i had seen the red uh string growing up here and there some people think it's kind of like human voodoo but at the same time it's it's really a, a mix of religions you know um and that has its own folklore Fables are marked by having a distinct moral or lesson, and Latin American fables take that concept very, very seriously. La mitología que nosotros trabajamos en la película Huegufe es el trauco. El trauco eh, es básicamente, según lo que dice la, la leyenda, una especie de enano horrible que tiene, en vez de tener pies, tiene unos muñones que son como una especie de puños eh, sin dedos usa una especie de gorro cónico eh, que es de paja, anda con un bastón y es un tipo que, según la leyenda, eh, tiene un pene muy grande. Entonces se dice que es una leyenda que se inventó para meterle un poco de miedo a las niñas de que no fueran al bosque porque se iban a encontrar con este enano que se la iba a terminar embrujando, una especie como de hipnosis en el que a consecuencia eh, terminarían quedando embarazadas. Me topé con un programa de televisión que hablaba que en la isla de Chiloé el 70% de los crímenes eran de connotación sexual eh, y todo se le seguía atribuyendo en pleno siglo XXI a esta misteriosa y extraña leyenda que es la leyenda del trauco. Pero cuando outside evil is determined to come in, we have a name for that. El coco or El Cuco, which is basically the Latin American boogeyman whose name changes depending on the region. But El Cuco doesn't just go after naughty kids. <laughs> no, no, no. He'll haunt your dreams regardless of your behavior. Because, well, parents can be cruel. Plus they're Latin, but mostly cruel. Cuco sounds like a word that, that they would use necessarily. It might sound more Caribbean. I'm gonna say it's a Caribbean country. I'm not throw a broad net. It's either from Cuba, Puerto Rico, or the, or the Dominican Republic. No es de Puerto Rico, el cuco. <laughs> I think for other Puerto Ricans, el cuco is from Puerto Rico. And it's this person that if you don't do good or if you um, are not behaving, um, it's gonna come and it's gonna grab you or scare you. If you misbehave as a child, el coco was going to come and take you away from your home, right? And even at night, I was scared of just, you know, putting my hands or my feet outside of my little tiny bed because I didn't want el coco coming and pulling my toes or my hands, right? That's so creepy. In Ecuador, we say el coco. In Colombia, we say el cuco. So I think it's the same monster, but just, you know, they say it differently. El Cuco was also a big deal. I actually played El Cuco in a commercial once, which is super weird. So I had to like shave my head and play it. So I like researched the role even more. He would also like show up in your nightmares and stuff. Duermete, 
If El Cuco's sharp teeth sink themselves into your dreams later, remember, it's not a good omen. And the Latin American prescription for that is to tell everyone about your nightmares so that they don't come true. And that's exactly why six-year-old me would insist that I tell you all about this one. La Llorona? I've been living in LA with my Mexican peeps. I know La Llorona comes from Mexico, or is it Colombia? Oh man, now I'm confused. La Llorona is from Mexico and allegedly is a lady who goes out at night crying, Ay, mis hijos, because she's looking for her kids. And apparently the story tells that this woman lost her mind and drowned her kids in a river. And then she comes out every night and starts, you know, crying, asking, where are my children? I think La Llorona was scary because I think it's that, uh, I don't remember if it was that she killed her kids or that her kids were killed, but I just didn't want, like, La Llorona to kill me. And uh, there's always the image of a woman, I don't know why, dressed in white, crying. We used to go visit my grandma uh, in the countryside, and uh, it was always like, Portate bien porque si no te va a agarrar La Llorona. This probably wasn't apparent to us as kids, but fables are basically designed to help maintain social order. But La Llorona was far from the only myth created to keep kids off the streets at night. What the heck is Sereno? I don't know, I don't think anybody knows. Not even scientists knows. It's like some big, like, transparent entity that takes your soul or something. I don't know. I'll see you later. Okay, I'll see you later. Okay, mami, ya entrenate que me cogiera el Big Bad Sereno. So, me voy a venir en un momento, ¿ok? Niño, niño, no te vayas a quitar la camisa toda sudada acá adentro, que se te parte un pulmón. What? Así cogen la gente en neumonía. Si no me crees, pregúntale a tu padre. Raúl, dile al niño. Ey, y los malen. Te no sirve, te no sirve para nada. ¿Para qué me llamo entonces? Si me van a insultar, ¿por qué me llaman? Me quedo en un mes entonces. Oye, ¿puedo just shower quick before it starts raining? Tiene que esperar. Hoy te trueno. No puedes entrar en el baño ahora que los truenos matan. Los rayos caen y matan. ¿Eh? Los rayos entran por la tubería y te empanizan el cuerpo. ¿Es el god of, of water gonna kill me? ¿Es Poseidon, Poseidon, you're in there? Tiene que respetar. ¿Am I supposed to be protected with all the padre nuestro and the, the más de ojo stuff you put on me? ¿Por qué tú no quieres que tú no te has muerto? Porque te proteja. Eso bloquea todo. Todo lo negativo. Todo, 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 todo. Te proteja. ¿Eh? <coughs> ¿Y la tosecita esa dónde salió? I don't know. I've had it all day. Ay, Dios mío. ¿Qué es eso? American fables aren't just para niños. Many are strictly for adults. Like, say, in Brazil, women are told to look out for Boto Cor de Rosa, a mystical pink dolphin. Sounds harmless and adorable, right? Thing is, at night, our little Lisa Frank dolphin pal is said to transform into a bachelorette contestant look-alike turned Tinder date from hell who seduces women, impregnates them, and then disappears into the Amazon River. But beyond cautionary tales of getting knocked up to bear fatherless children, Many of these adult fables feature vengeful, mythical female characters. And these mujeres are out for blood. So many legends are specific to women seeking revenge. 
And to me, a lot of these are rooted in misogyny and, you know, the patriarch, like La Sayona. She was a woman, happily married, and one day she's out by the lake, like, washing herself or something, and there's a man that, like, won't leave her alone, is continuously spying on her, and he tells her, hey, your husband's cheating on you with your mom, and she believes him. And so in a fit of rage, she goes to her house, she killed her mother, she killed her child. I can't remember if she kills the husband. Her mother curses her also for eternity to hunt down the men that are cheating, basically. The version that I know of is like La Mocuana. So she's like this pretty lady that mostly appears to like men who've been like, you know, no, I don't want to say like, ha haven't been the greatest to their loved one. I grew up with La Siwanaba in my life, you know, and, and I like to say that Latinx folks, we love angry women by bodies of water because that's always what they're at. And I don't know exactly if she, her story originated from a specific part of El Salvador, but I do know that she's got us by the by a grip in El Salvador. She usually appears to men that are probably being unfaithful or be drinking, right? I kind of think of her as an ally almost, like to the woman, because many times when she appears to these men, they come home fevered and sick and um, and just flushed. And and sometimes I think that that's, it's a supernatural, like, like being like, I got you home, girl. Look, if you're not phased by scorned women, I get it. There's nothing to fear because el que no la debe, no la teme. Stories and superstitions about love are abundant in Latin American culture. Only, they typically don't have a Julia Roberts rom-com ending. ¿Qué es la que hay, mi gente? Estamos aquí en Puerto Rico, which is so rich in so many things, but superstitions and folklores are not the exception. Almost a hundred years before El Buen Shakespeare released Romeo and Juliet into the world, Christopher Columbus was recording encounters of his own with the OG Puerto Ricans. Datainos. Today I'm gonna tell you my favorite Borinquen love legends. So Alida and Teru fell in love after one random forest encounter, which is kind of weird if you ask me. <laughs> but when Alida's father found out of this romantic rendezvous, he set her up a que se casara con alguien de su misma tribu. Sounds familiar? Alida prayed to the gods to be removed from this situation, and then they went, okay, by turning her into a red flower. A flower! One day, Teru was waiting for Alida at the usual spot, you know, the forest. And then he started realizing that Alida was not gonna show up, so he begged the gods to help him find her. So the gods went, well, okay, and turned him into a hummingbird to help him find the flower. Is that crazy? Now, in line with more pre-Romeo and Juliet stuff is the tragic story of a Taino princess, Guanina, who fell in love with a Spanish officer. And kind of to be expected, her brother's despise for the Spanish led him to kill the Spanish officer. And since Guanina had unsuccessfully warned her European lover, she then was labeled a traitor among her people. Yikes. So they then decided to sacrifice her to the gods, pero para su sorpresa, she sacrificed herself first. And she was found dead laying on her lover's chest. Ay, que romántico. Not really, but kinda. Anyways, these two were buried together under a ceiba tree, as you do. But not everyone's New Year ambition is to smash, or get smashed. Some of us want to travel more, eat healthier, or binge every episode of Dawson's Creek that our conservative Catholic mother forbade us from watching as a kid. Some of us have goals. I think I'm gonna bring the greats for everybody, 
and I'm gonna introduce everybody to um, what I believe is a Cuban tradition. I'm not sure if other cultures do this. We have to do the grapes and it's always a stress of like, did anybody buy the grapes? Or are they in the cups? Uh, yeah, I'll probably be souping at midnight, maybe run around the house with a suitcase. For the New Year's Day, yes, I try to use um, the underwears. Sometimes I use both colors, red and yellow. Uh, this year I'm gonna use both. <laughs> For sure, I will be having my grapes. I will probably be celebrating with a little champagne and writing down the good and the bad. The bad, I do find a way to burn it. I think traditions are fun and many times the middle ground where like multi multiple generations can meet, even if we don't know why we're doing the things we're doing. Superstitions and legends passed down from our ancestors are not only a way for us to confront some of our most irrational fears, but also for elders and parents to manipulate people into doing what they want, even if it means instilling fear until they cave to your will. Totally normal and healthy, by the way. So whatever brujeria you're using to make sure your 2022 goes your way, send a little of that energy this way too, because um, we could all use some of that right about now. I'm Gabriela Fresquez for Radar 2021. Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks for watching Radar 2021. Please like, subscribe, and comment down below and let us know what issues are important to you. Because let's be honest, there are a lot of issues to choose from. <laughs> so, so many.